Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. In our society, most people are content to go through their daily lives safely and peacefully. But our society is not always safe or peaceful. For that reason... Some men and women answer a higher calling to defend and protect their fellow man. You probably know someone who is one of these people, or maybe you are one of these people. The ones who see and do the things most people would never want to. These things are sometimes heroic and beautiful, but often they are horrific and terrifying. It's these things they don't share about with other people. It's these things they carry with them, so you don't have to. But when they get together, they talk to each other about them. And they call these stories War Stories. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And it was a nice week off. Uh, it was. Glad to be back, but it was a nice week off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, lots of crazy shit. Lots of holiday stuff. People getting um, COVID. Um yeah, my Birthday niece plans going to shit. supposedly got great. it a second time. Um, she doesn't live here anymore. So, you know, fuck it. Um, I had the most I cursed myself, dude. We reviewed Christmas vacation on locker room. And in the most Christmas vacation of moments, December 23rd, I come home from Christmas shopping. It's pitch black out at five o'clock at night. My Christmas lights aren't working at all. So I was literally up Ooh, on a snowy thanks. roof. Clark Griswold style. No, dude, the outlet died. That's because you overloaded it with too no, many no, of those no, extensions. No. Uh-uh. These are the LED ones, dude. It was fine. What it was was um, it was a GFI outlet, and oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. snow got into one of the um. Why the fuck is there a GFI outside? Unless it should be near water, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be one. Unless or it's, it's near by like my. A... Yeah, but anyway, this by... isn't home improvement talk. This is war stories. <laughs> okay. So why don't you tell us? Um, you, you normally I introduce the guests, uh, and we've got a really cool guest this week, but it's going to be a yeah. bit different for people. Um, normally, we stick Way to different. the three basic food groups of police, firefighters, and veterans. However, we have gone into the territory of nurses, um, and uh, we've been reaching out into the territory of corrections, which is kind of how we ended up here. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> basically, w- there was that podcast that, that I said, you know, hey, I want corrections officers, people in the corrections uh, field. Come on. We want to hear your stories. Uh, we want you to come on and, and, and talk about things because we really haven't had it. And I've had a lot of um, messages and stuff or we have, um, for that matter, uh, to get people on who are involved in the corrections world to come on because it was kind of an underrepresented um, part of first responders and things like that. Um and we got a message um, and uh, I didn't read. To, I was skimming a bunch of messages one day, a bunch of emails. And I was like, oh, cool. Corrections officer. Boom. Um, and then there was a long chain of emails trying to schedule and holidays and a lot of things fell through. And so I was like, you know what? F- fuck it. I'm going to call right before my physical therapy. And it's going to be faster than waiting for an email. So I call. And not uh, having completely read the uh, email. <laughs> right. And I, I get a, a, a sober living home uh, number and I'm like, huh, interesting. 
but not out of the woods because there's a lot of people who have gone from, you know, police work and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, fire addiction and, and, and have owned um, their own or have worked for or mm-hmm. have done something like that and, you know, volunteered or, you know, have spent their time. I mean, there's a lots of people who I've seen volunteering yeah. at certain things, doing certain things and giving back to the community. And I'm like, okay. So not crazy. So right. I started asking. If you're the kind questions. of person who would get into this job, you're the kind of person who wants to give back and help the community. Right. And <laughs> our guest was a little bit busy. So I was talking to someone else there um, that knew him. And I was like, hey, man, um, like, is he a corrections officer? He was like, huh? No. I was like, <laughs> huh. He's like, but I do know he did time in prison. I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, fuck it. Again, cool. not, 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 uh, it's not, we have not been strangers to prison uh, inmates nope. on this show. One of my closest friends in the world, it was, he went the. I went to the police academy and he went to prison right around the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he was a Navy vet but, and you guys all know and love him as, as Matt. Uh, exactly. So who, we I have thought it Mark was fun. with us. Yeah. And is that so. Who? Yeah, so Mark is is the guy, and we got to talking, and I thought it was. <laughs> I started chuckling to myself. I thought it was funny because I was like, "Well, this caught me off guard for a second. And uh, so started talking with with Mark, and Mark was turned on to the show um, by uh, a family member of the ATF agent that we had on the show who talked about Ruby Ridge, Love and that, so. I thought that was really cool. And she was like, "Hey, check this out. Family member did this." you go check it out. And I think it's going to be really cool. And he, he listened and he listened to that episode and he was like, you know what? I think, I think it'd be good to talk to him. And I was like, oh, so he reached out and there it is. And so well, hello, Mark. Hey, how yeah. are you? Hey, I just wanted to say hi to you while we get your backstory. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, throughout my, uh, teenage years and my early adulthood, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, a, in active addiction. Um, and, uh, I sold drugs, did drugs. I did a lot of bad things. And, uh, I put myself into a situation where I, uh, robbed a drug dealer. Um, that drug dealer went to the police and there was like a crazy manhunt for me. I was like in the newspaper and on, like this crime stopper TV show and all this stuff is insane. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah robbing a fucking drug dealer. Well, this happened. So the reason why it happened in this part of the County here that doesn't have like, or maybe it was like a slow news cycle or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big deal. I think, probably there's a combination of things where the police were already after me. Um, they knew you were a shithead and this was an excuse to come after you. Well, and also, you know, armed robbery is a pretty big, you know, it's a pretty major crime, you know? Well, okay. So you robbed a drug dealer. So let's start with that. Let's just okay. go back. Cause I want to unpack how you, uh, robbing a drug dealer only because I got injured on a call unnecessarily where it was one dirt bag robbing another dirt bag. And yeah. yeah. We were like, um, don't we know who all these people are? They're all on parole. Like, we don't really have to do anything. So anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because by the time he was there to testify against me, like he had a like a crazy 
charges pending against him, you know? Was, was that um, for like selling, selling narcotics and you, you just ended up stealing a stash or? I stole money and drugs from him. I'm yeah. surprised he called the police. I know. I was very surprised by it. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting that at all. Um, especially because the the police, I assume, knew who he was. He was kind of a major player, you know? Um, okay, I have but, to ask. What did you use and how much did you get? And what kind of uh, drugs are we talking about? This was meth. Uh, good old um, meth. Yeah, the good stuff. The, the, the shit, shit people will do for that crazy. stuff. Crazy. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it was somewhere in the range of like $10,000 and maybe like a quarter pound of methamphetamine or maybe a little less, somewhere in there. You, oh, know? you ripped him pretty good. I did. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. Uh, it's weird to like, you know, cause I'm so far removed from this part of my life now that when I hear myself talk about it, it's like, I'm, t- it's like, I'm talking about somebody else. It's so strange. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Matt talks about the same thing. I, I even talk about the same thing when I talk about, you know, my early days as a police officer, but especially for Matt, because his sort of antisocial criminal behavior was so like it was one period of his life and he paid his debt and he's completely anybody that listens to the show knows that that is, that doesn't sound like anything he would do. And I'm sitting here yeah. talking to you. And again, addiction's a hell of a thing. You know, meth yeah. is a hell of a drug. Fuck cocaine, yeah. fuck crack. Meth is a hell of a drug. Yeah, it is. It's it funny is. too. Cause it's like, I hear myself say this and I'm like <laughs> thinking about now I'm just a 40 year old dork with two kids who, you know what I mean? Like, it's so right. Strange. Like, right. Uh, but so anyway, so, um, <laughs> this whole manhunt happened. I was like on the run. Uh, it was crazy. They, when they finally arrested me, they had like, they, they had like a steel security door on the house I was at. So the police brought like a tank, like a battery ram on the front. It was a whole thing. That's like the, the opening scene from, uh, the, the, the major, uh, major motion picture NWA where they, where the Los Angeles County Sheriff's department comes and barrels through the door with yeah. their um with their fucking um bear cat. So yeah. LAPD, just so you know, during the 80s, Crips and Bloods gang warfare height, when they would armor the doors, LAPD looked at the rules and regs and laws and they they said, Okay, we, we can make entry. It doesn't say how, how? but we can make entry. <laughs> and we already know that case law says if there's a you know a gr- glass door on the back of the house, we can break it. So they just started going in the side wall of the house. They would, right. they in the eighties, they would just take that battering ram and they would ram the wall of the house and knock down the wall and go in through the entry because the suspects were heavily armed and on a double cage door at the front door. So totally, I understand exactly what you're talking about. They were taking a playbook out of the Crips and Bloods warfare gang tactics of the eighties. Yeah, I mean, luckily they didn't need it for me. I just came out. Side, oh. you know, they were like, come out, and I came out. But like, you know, SWAT team was there. They, I, they, I think they have a whole policy for like if they think you're armed, and they had a yes. reason to think I was armed, right? Right. Right. Uh, Basically, um, they brought everything they thought they could need if you yeah. were going to be worst case scenario, right? And it looks crazy, and then they're like, "All right, come out with your hands up," and you're like, "All right, dude, that's all okay, you have to yeah. say." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was running. I wasn't fighting. Come on. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I get it better to have it and uh, not need it than need it and not have it. So now nah, uh, fuck it. You get to tell everybody that it took a SWAT team to take you down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then uh, I, uh, I went to uh, jail and went to court and got sentenced and I uh, went to uh, California state prison for three years. Um, and, Can I ask uh, which one? Yeah, so I was at a couple. Uh, so I started out um, at uh, Tracy, uh, okay. which is a, a level two, um, which is like the prisons have four levels, uh, five if you count the shoe. Um, uh, level one is sort of is like low, low sentence. It's um, free range convicts. <laughs> basically yeah it's crazy yeah. there's like one cop on the whole thing and uh there's like a, a fence that's like chest high you know yeah. um so level one's pretty low level two level two is a uh, medium security that's like um there's still uh most of the features uh that they have level three and four well level three but um it's group living and then level threes uh cell living and then level four is terrifying uh level solitary four is like, living no well level well no so level four is like the they're mostly like 180 design yards so that the guards can like shoot you from from anywhere but it's like oh, nice. the, the politics of the level fours that make them so terrifying um oh i see what you're saying because you're in with lifers and all those kinds of people so it, it really is a whole different class of criminal probably huh well there's like there's very distinctly defined rules um for like prisoner uh, uh rules right that are like handed mm-hmm. down from on high and the rules at a level four is called uh, they call it a no hands policy so if you um, fight somebody with just your fists, you are in trouble. So you're not allowed to, you, the only way you can touch somebody on level four is with a knife. Uh, and if you, if Holy you shit. use your fists to attack, so like, uh, then you are now in trouble, which means you're going to get stabbed. So by the prisoners, by the prisoners. Correct. <laughs> These are rules from the prisoners. Correct. It's like, yeah. look, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna throw hands. If you got a problem, you shank yeah. somebody like a, like, like a freaking classy level four inmate. You don't, you don't fight like a level three or a level two. That's freaking amateur shit. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like they, they, <laughs> they say like if it's serious enough for you to like make an issue out of it, then it's serious enough. You know, luckily I, I was not at a level four. You know, I, right. I, uh, <laughs> I got. You know, I got in a lot of trouble at the level two um, and got sent to a, a level three. Um, and uh, even a level three is 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 very uh, scary, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, all prisons are scary because anything can happen at any time. Uh, you know, they have riots on level ones. That happens, you know, melees and all kinds of things. Um, but a level three, you know, every time you jump up a level, there's like, more strict politics that are happening you know and california is kind of unique too because we have the so here 
we have the big four prison gangs that are like run everything in California that have spread throughout the rest of the nation, but they're here, you know, they started here. Um, so it's like high level gang politics in, in yeah, California at, at all times. Um, and the, you know, the higher you go up, the more, um, the more you see that. Right. Um, and you know, you're in there with people that just want, they want the action. They want the smoke, yeah. you know, they want to see the world burn. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> uh, to, and see, to me, just so you know, like as a cop, I knew, I knew from day one that there was a fundamental difference between somebody who was fucking up and somebody who needed to be locked up. Yeah. Like, like you, you get to know Chuck, you get to know, like you meet people, you know, some, some people are like, they're, 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 they're screwing up. They're doing some stuff. You know, if they could, you talk to them, you're willing to, to sh- shoot the shit with them when you're arresting them and try to talk to them about how they got there. Because, you know, if you could just unlock that one thing, or you think if you could just unlock that one thing, maybe, maybe they'll take something positive away from the experience and turn their life around. And other people, you Ooh, arrest yeah. them, you're like, sit in the back, shut the <laughs> fuck up. And I, I, I don't care what happens to you when once, once I drop you off at jail, because you're a giant piece of shit who's going to hurt people. And it sounds like once you get to prison, you can clearly tell the difference as well. Yeah. I mean, it, yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, I mean, it's a, it's a situation where you're, you're with the worst people in the state of California, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, and then in, in a situation further that rewards, uh, viciousness above all else. Right. Right. So even if you're not a particularly like vicious person, you better learn fast to be one, you know? Um, But I I don't know. California is weird. Like we're starting to turn, turn it around. Like we were locking, like I was in prison with people who I was there with one guy who was uh, there for um, doing uh, uh, construction without a license, you know? It's crazy to me. I know it's it's crazy. Like we used to lock people up for for everything here, and now we we're now we're swinging way too far the other direction. You know what I mean? Like trying to overcompensate. So we got like these mass theft rings, and nothing's a crime in California now. So yes, I mean they have gone they have gone from locking everybody up, like you said, to now it's like they're not locking anyone up yeah and yeah. it you get released on a lot of things within prison now on good behavior that were once classified as violent crimes and they're now classified as nonviolent crimes yes. such as assault with a deadly weapon which right. in itself is in its violent. name like, is a violent it's, crime it's, 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 it's <laughs> violent. you're saying assault and deadly and weapon like, it's literally it the, the only gun. words in the the title are all violent the, and yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah. crazy. I mean, you know, and and as like a like a street cop, <clears throat> I never, ever once fucked with people without licenses or things like that. No, and, okay, and I'm, I'm gonna back that up. Back, I never would have like administrative laws and administrative bullshit like that. The nanny legislation, I hated. Yeah. I hated it. It was it was so ridiculous. But I, you're there are people like. um that I would get irritated at because they'd be running businesses like 
like the guys that would like seriously just set up a business on a street corner selling food or whatever. And you're like, wait a minute, fuck with them. that motherfucker over there has to have a license and pay taxes and workers comp. And, and we're supposed to just let you just set up a little freaking tamale stand on the corner without a business license or insurance. No, fuck that. That's that, yeah. I, that was where I was like, no, 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 no. But I also don't believe that you should have a license to own a fucking business. either. So in the beginning we were um, at like, major sporting events and stuff like that. We would go up and round all the um, uh, illegal vendors because they were taking money away from the the venue. Yeah. And yeah. We, we would we would confiscate their shit and tell them to leave. Or if they stayed around, we would write them a ticket and then confiscate their shit. But we never took anyone to jail. I mean, I think right. I wrote a few tickets for for stuff yeah. like that. But when it came into my area that I current that I that I worked, we didn't fuck with those people because we decided to utilize them because they were there all the time as good wits when things went down. And if we didn't fuck with them, then they would be good witnesses. And it's now known as community policing yeah. before community policing was a really big thing. Right. And yeah. so it was called working like, the street. Exactly. And now they have a fucking <laughs> cool name for it, whatever. Right, right. But <laughs> you just utilize the, your relationships within the community. And if you didn't fuck with them and you're like, I know I can mess with you and I can take your shit. And they're like, okay, I'm like, just be, just be an eyes and ears for for yeah. for us when we need it yeah. the moment you say no we're not going to do that okay we might start coming by and you know writing a ticket but then it got to the point where it got so far the other direction that they're like don't even come in contact don't bother them to leave them alone we'll allow them to operate within california right. and you're like um yeah. all right whatever yeah. and then i mean it's just it's it's nuts yeah. and i'm sure you've seen so many so many people who probably shouldn't have been in some of those facilities and some people that you saw that you knew the, okay they probably need to be here yeah and it's it was probably it's probably crazy like a night and day difference so yeah. you did time three years in a couple of different places where did you gate out from pleasant valley okay That's so you gated true. out of pleasant valley and how, what's that process like if you can real quick just yeah, yeah. Like, like getting uh, out of prison. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's for sure. So uh, they they come get you. I mean, you know when your day is, right? Um, they come get you. They make sure you, you are who you're supposed to be. You go through a series of Sally ports. Um, they give you $200, uh, like gate money. Mm-hmm. And then a bus comes and picks you up and takes you into town. That's it. And then you got to report to your parole agent like the, uh, you know, whenever the next day or whatever. So what was that feeling like? Like your date's coming up. I imagine when your date's coming up, it's like when you know Christmas or your birthday's coming, right? Like I imagine it's just, yeah, you're just looking forward to it. Like, please don't let anything fuck this up for me. I've only got X amount of time left. Well, it was interesting for me because like I kept my date kept getting pushed back. You know, like I, I kept, so, uh, you know, every time that you get in trouble, they add more time to your sentence, right? right? And so by the time I got out, man, I, I did almost an, a full year extra time, you know, um, cause I just kept getting in more and more shit, you know? Um, so I was like, they, they keep doing like these different calculations for how to do it. So, um, a lot of it was like up in the air, but you know, I had an idea of when it was going to be and yeah, it's a crazy feeling, you know, it's, it's a very weird feeling. Um, but it was amazing, you know, uh, it, I mean, when it's that, different for, yeah. 
when that day came and you were walking out and you were so excited, but were you like also apprehensive and nervous at the same time? You're like, fuck, what do I do now? Um, I mean, a little bit, like I have pretty good family support, you know? Um, so I had like a plan, you know, my mom was like, all right, I'm going to help you out, get you into like, uh, you know, one of these sober living houses and, you know, this and that. And I kind of, um, you know, uh, made the, so the story that I wanted to tell you guys is, uh, yeah, uh, go for it. So, which, and this is kind of what made me make the decision because my, uh, to get sober, right. Because my entire prison term, I was not sober, you know, and I was like, not trying to be, you know, some people, they like, they go to prison. They're like, I'm going to keep my head down and I'm going to, um, you were like, fuck it. I'm gonna have a good time. I was (laughs) fucking up, you know, I was fighting. Uh, I was doing drugs. I was smuggling contraband into the facility, whatever I could do. I was like doing it, you know? And, And that's why I went from a level two to a level three, you know? Um, and, uh, the, so, uh, when I was at a level, when I was at that level three at Pleasant Valley, there was like, um, there, you know, like I said, the politics jump up to a new level every time you jump up a level. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, this, this prison was in the central Valley. So it had a group there, uh, called the Bulldogs. You guys know who they are? I don't. Oh, no. uh, yeah. so they're like, unless uh, you're talking about like the, the gang, the gang, the bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're like super disruptive to the order of things. Um, because you have this like state that's uh, the same across all the prisons where it's like there's sides, there's the whites and the Southerners and the Mexican nationals on one side, and there's the blacks and the northerners um, and then like the Asians and stuff on the other side. And you don't touch their stuff and they don't touch your stuff and you don't walk across their area and they don't walk across your area. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) the bulldogs are like, they don't fit into any place. And then they have no like organizational structure. Right. Every other group has a very clearly defined organizational structure. Right. So now let me going- see, let me see if I can fill check in because I think I know what you're talking about, but I just want to make sure that we're on the same yeah. page. You're talking about the Mexican kind of cartel border gang, the Bull- Fresno Bulldogs is or the FDS or B- FBS or whatever yeah. that takes their name from the college mascot, the college. Yeah. and they're the Mexican cartel gang that's like they're because for those of you that don't know, there's Nortenos and Sorenos, right? There's Southern gang members and Northern gang members. And the dividing line is right about Monterey County, which is right around where I was a cop at, right? I was just south of the Monterey County line. And I think where you're talking about Fresno, Central California, inland, where you were in prison at, is known specifically for being this in-between area where you're at the lowest end of a northern gang member's territory and at the northernmost end of a southern gang member's territory. And the bulldogs are kind of stuck in the middle. Well. It's a little more complicated than that. Uh, I know. I'm just trying to give it like the bait, like give the listeners a basic like idea of how this gang came to be is they're in this weird 
they're not they're not quite they're affiliated but they're not quite the same as everybody else well it's 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 actually more interesting than that so they're like they they were northerners right at one point um and they uh decided to break off and form their own thing Mm -hmm. so the northerners consider them dropouts but they're their own gang the northerners are it's like they have this on-site policy with them they're right immediate war right right but the southerners still think of them as a northern gang sort of sometimes they they ally with them sometimes they don't that's the thing really so complicated interesting you know um and on this yard it was like you had northerners southerners bulldogs all all on the yard uh yeah yeah that's a bad idea it was madness and and so (laughs) At the time, the the Northerners were like locked down because they can't be on the yard with the Bulldogs. Then the Southerners were at war with the Bull. It was like this war that was had been going on for like three years over a bench. Like a bunch of people got stabbed over it. They had like they they had a like this is before I got there, but they had like a a melee. The, so the um the yard captain like let them have peace talks to like get them programming again. Right. And they had, a, instead of talking peace, they had like a mail. It was crazy, you know? Um, and so <laughs> when I got there, they were like, just let, letting the bulldogs up. And um, they like, uh, they basically needed a, a place to program. Right. So uh, like talks were had and it was basically agreed that they would share with um with the whites and the southerners and the and the mexican nationals right so they would program on our side right because everything's okay. split sure yeah um they're the, like all right you can go hang out with them and that'll be cool <laughs> yeah i mean not exactly but right kind of it's it's yeah but that's yeah. the thing people people listening to this you need to understand prison is a very complicated place it's it's so no, it's 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 like moving to another universe yeah it is it's like you speak another language when you have yeah. to it. it's like hard to describe to people too because of the nuance of it right um, i had to learn i took a class as a cop i took advanced training and went to a class on how to speak to people who have spent long terms in prison wow, because if you learn to speak their language, you can learn to bond with them. You can show them you're not some fucking, you know, jerkwad cop who doesn't know shit. And they'll show you a little bit more respect than the average street cop because you took the time to learn their language. So the, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so the uh, what happened was the they let the Bulldogs up. We came to this agreement. But the agreement was that they had to follow uh, the program, right? Which means you respect the rules of this side that encompasses now you, the whites, the Southerners, and, and the and the Mexican nationals. And so, um, the the other problem with them is they don't have they're, they're so if 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 a white inmate did something to like disrespect another group, they would that group either has two options. They can do a full scale riot 
which is pretty rare. And, and you try to avoid that because of everything that goes along with it. Right. Or um, you can have that person disciplined by their own people. Right. And, and that's usually the, how they do it. Um, yeah. If you and, talk, if you but, listen to Matt, he'll tell you that was his job. Real quick. Yeah, that Something yeah. funny when I was, uh, I wanted to, when I was wanting to be a police officer and I did a, uh, a ride along, not a ride. It was like a walk along in a, in a, uh, a county jail yeah with the sheriff's department <clears throat> and they asked me like so what if something happens and one person disrespects someone else in the uh in the pod what are you going to do and i'm like find the leader of the other other fucking okay. factions and be like hey straighten your boy out and we can figure this shit out and he's like what he's like they, they yelled at me they're like no and i was like you all know that you really don't run. That's the real answer, right? That's the fucking real answer, dude. Like, honestly, you don't run this. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, like, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, and and the, the, like, even when you in every prison uh, at the highest level, they'll tell you that, like, you know, that's, you have to work with, they have to work with the inmates, you know, because they they outnumber you you a lot. Yeah, prison riot. Prison riot is an ugly thing, and I think it's the time we had one. And also, it's like there's just there. There's a really uh, uh, you know, there's a order of things that the inmates maintain, you know, and it's just easier for the guards yeah. to like work yeah. within that, of course. Yeah. So th- they do when they can, you know. The inmates have developed a system, and the guards are like, "Hey, as long as it doesn't violate the shit I got to do." And it's easier than, yeah, but if you make my life miserable, I'm going to come down on you like the fucking hammer of God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty so, much. Anyway, so the Bulldogs. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, so they have to program with you guys and follow. Now, are they, they agree to follow the rules set down by the whites? Well, it, it's an, it's like a, there's already established um, a, a protocol uh, mm-hmm. that is like, time honored if you will right but so who said that like, protocol is it just like that was something agreed upon years ago by everybody sharing that yard and these guys had to basically come to jesus and realize that if they're going to coexist with you they had to follow those rules i mean it's basically like set down uh like 50 years ago by the you know the inmates throughout all of california that this yeah, is how OGs. it's done you know yeah. um but they're so due to their lack of like um, the power structure, they, there's no buddy you can go to whatever they cause a, a lot of problems, you know? Right. Right. Um, and they sort of play that role. Uh, but so my first day there, we almost had a riot with the bulldogs because they got into it with a white inmate and you can't do that, you know? Right. Um, and that was like, calm down. And then I was there for a while and they, I was in the, in the gym i was living in the gyms there's 200 people living in a gym three person bunks and like um it, it, at this time california was like 300 percent capacity it was before the california supreme court was like you got to lower this so they have housing in all these areas that are supposed to be common areas um so they, they brought the bulldogs in immediately they violated like the rules uh set out like, I mean, it was like within minutes, it was so crazy. Um, and so given that, like there had just been an incident with them, 
uh, it was basically decided the whites were going to ride on the bulldogs. Uh, it was all, you know, all at war. Right. So we're going to have a ride. Right. Um, and they like, I remember at the time thinking like kind of being kind of excited by it because like a riot's a big deal. You know, it, when I was at Tracy, if, if like somebody was like, you know, you'd be like, dude, there was just a riot at, uh, Avenal or whatever, you know, it was like kind of a right. big deal when it happens. Oh no. I, Hey, I've been to a riot as a cop. Riots are a big deal on our side too. We like going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it was decided and uh, it was basically like, we're going to jump at lights out, you know? Um, so like a couple of the, of the white inmates in there had knives, you know, I, I remember, and it's a weird thing too, because the guards know when it's about to happen, you know, because they can like feel the, well, first of all, you have one group that's all together and it's totally quiet. You know, <laughs> that's like, <Right>. uh, <laughs> yes, it's, right. we call that a clue yeah um and so you know i think we decided like lights out uh was when it was gonna go you know um and like uh so when it happened uh there was one inmate that just got up stabbed the nearest bulldog uh when it jumped off everybody kind of uh gathered around this guy and was like punching and kicking him uh myself included you know and i only keep in mind i'm going to tell you this story adrenaline is like rushing you're when you're in a situation like this you're a white inmate and the inmates jump you know the, the white inmates jump if you don't go with them right you are a dead man like plain and simple right so um so as this is going the I remember just it sort of had this strange flow as it went like around the gym. It would chase them down one way and fight them here. And then they would chase us back and we would fight them there. Um, And as I was doing that, I came around uh, the corner and I saw the, this bulldog that had the knife in his back was trying to get up, you know, and my adrenaline was just like going you know, so I came around the corner. I, I kicked this guy in the face as he's trying to get up. It's pretty fucked up of me to do in retrospect, you know? Um, well, I mean, you're in a prison riot. So yeah. you could kind of say that at that point you were in a situation where all bets were off and you were surviving just like he was. Adrenaline's going. Right. So as I did that, uh, the guard in the tower fired uh, a non-lethal round so they basically have these 40 millimeter grenades that have like a giant drum underneath them. Uh, hit me in the side. Uh, How'd that I, feel? Oh my God. I thought I was shot. I thought I really got shot. It was interesting. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to say that because really? so many people hit by bean bags or 40 yeah. Mike, uh, less lethal say, I thought I had been shot. Yeah. I mean, I landed about uh, five feet from where I was standing, you know? No shit. And, yeah, and it was bleeding too. That was the other thing. I had on a white shirt, and I could see blood coming out of it. So yeah, like, it will fuck you up. It it's not. I mean, it's not going to ki- like can kill you, but it's it's you know it'll yeah, fuck less you up. Less than lethal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. They should just call them usually not lethal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see how it could kill somebody if it hit them in the head. You know. Yeah, and, uh, well, it's, the, and it's that plastic. There's a plastic the shell. Back. 
that has to back it to give it a ballistic signature. Otherwise you're just, you might as well shoot a Nerf gun. Yeah. So uh, I was kind of lying on the ground thinking that I actually got shot and freaking out. And, and uh, a couple of white boys came and picked me up and I was like, Oh, you know, (laughs) like I'm hit guys. Saving private Ryan prison edition. (laughs) Leave me. They they looked at it. They were like, you got hit with a block gun. You're fine. You know? So I got back up and got back into the mix. At some point, uh, the Bulldogs start throwing things at us. We start throwing things at them. I uh, hope it was pies. For some reason <laughs> in my mind, a prison pie fight is just hilarious. Uh, probably like coffee cups, fans, things like that. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know? Just anything that isn't nailed down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so at that point, uh, like one of the black inmates got hit with... Uh, with uh some debris Uh-oh. and the and the black oh, jumped uh yeah. into the riot against us and uh there was a lot a lot a lot a lot more of them yeah because hashtag so, fuck whitey <laughs> pretty much and they, so, ju- they didn't know who got their guy they were just like oh some one of one of our brothers got hit let's go fuck up whitey it's it's on yeah <laughs> um so they uh they jumped there was a lot of them and uh, the um, I remember I was getting chased down by three black inmates, you know, and I, I was like running away. I tried to like roll between two bunks to get on the other side of like the row from them. And I made it halfway and they like grabbed me and pulled me out. And then they just uh, they started hitting me until I like lost consciousness. Right. And uh, when I woke up, I was like, and then, you know, everybody that I was in there with like filled in the gaps for me of like what happened from that point on. Right. Right. Um, but I woke up obviously like covered in blood and pepper spray. Everybody was on the ground. <laughs> Sorry. You know, they just, they just spray an unconscious dude. They're like, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> or they just spray everybody. I guess what they, what the, what the other white inmates were telling me was that I was conscious but I was out of it and I have zero rem- memory. Uh, so you were, it, you, know? you were kind of a walking blackout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, uh, the, uh, when I woke up, I remember it's funny too, cause they're, you know, they, they let this go on for, well, not let it, but the, there's two guards guarding all right. these people. What are they going to do? You know, um, they go to the office and lock the door and call in reinforcements. So it goes right. on for like 20, 30, 40 minutes. Right. And uh, they, like they had to call. I remember I was the cop that I was riding in the ambulance with was like, he's like, yeah, they called me at my house to come down here. You know, I had to like rush yeah. down from my house. Wow. And I, and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, dude. And he was like, Hey, it's all good. I'm getting triple time. overtime. Yeah. 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 He's Fuck. happy. With, he's time. like, dude, Fuck. I'm riding in the ambulance with a guy who's covered in blood, apologizing to me, making three times my hourly. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can I come to, and, and the, the guards are saying like, anybody who's injured can uh, like come over here. We're going to take out the injured people first. And somebody like nudged me and was like, go That's you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so I was so out of it that I started to stand up, you know, and like every single inmate, like grabbed me and pulled me down. It was like, what are you doing? You know, like crawl over there. Do not stand up. They'll kill you. And uh, 
so I went to the uh, went out, went got stitched. I had like a tennis ball sized knot on my head, uh, and they must have hit me with something not a coffee cup fan, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So then uh, I went to the hospital, and then uh, there were so many people in the riot that they didn't have room in the shoe at Pleasant Valley. Uh, so they took a bunch of us to the shoe at Avenal, which is nearby, which is like a hard yard, uh, shoe. So and, for, for the listeners shoe in California corrections talk is special housing unit or segregated yeah. housing unit, depending on who you talk to, but it's, you know, secured housing unit, special housing unit. Yeah. Um, basically this is lockdown time. This is like is- isolation, like one hour in a concrete yard of exercise and 23 hours in your cell lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then even moving around in and out of the shoe is like there, there's like crazy security protocols just to get you from point A to point B. Um, and it's interesting too, because I eventually they, they used like my, so you go to court basically to determine your shoe term and it's like an interesting thing because you're in your underwear, right? So when you're in the shoe, you're, you don't, they don't, you, you don't have clothes, you know, you just have underwear, right? And so they bring you to like court, but you're in your underwear. And it's like, it's like a stress dream where you're like, you know, showed up <laughs> I showed up to give my oral report to my senior yeah. class and I was in my underwear. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that. It's surreal, you know? Um, so they, uh, they, they used, they, they basically said, uh, due to your injuries, you were involved in the riot. We're giving you a three month shoe term. Ooh, fuck. Uh, three months in the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, so I was back there like three months. Um, and it's like, it, it's a really interesting thing, uh, back there. Um, it's super, like super duper high politics um in the shoe uh because you got i mean not at where i was but a lot of these like the the security housing units they they keep the high-ranking gang members there like permanently or they used to you know um but uh you're so like to move you they do so there's like a slot that opens in the door your cellmate like hands out their like shoes and underwear and and then they like get handcuffed and then they go to the corner and then you hand out your shoes and underwear and then you get handcuffed they bring you out you like they put a metal detector over like your butthole you know um and then they take you to like a (laughs) prison dog run yeah so so they they take you outside for your one hour and it's like in a there's a like uh, 16 cages, you know, and they're all next to each other. They're like 10 foot by, you know, <laughs> 20 foot like cages, you know, right. for your one hour exercise. Um, so it's weird because it's people think of it as like solitary, but it's not. You're not alone, you know. No, like you have a cellmate, and then it, when they take well, I mean, outside, do, don't some people have to do it solitary? If you kill somebody in your, if you kill somebody like, uh, in, then they might put you on single cell, yeah, but usually right. not even then huh. sometimes not, especially cause like some of these oh, like shit. super high ranking 
like uh like gang members they'll Mm -hmm. they're all like permanent or at the time they were like permanently in the shoe so like they'll they'll like have these plans to like kill somebody that will take like 10 years to unfold you know they'll have to do all these like bell changes to like yeah uh whack some you know and it's like it'll unfold over decades you know it's crazy. i I honestly think the shoe program needs to be completely revisited because taking somebody and isolating them and making them alone and giving them no human human contact honestly was just going to make them worse like yeah it, it, it probably didn't teach you any lessons especially because the riot you were in wasn't it wasn't your decision it was like hey all the whites are gonna riot you're white you're rioting or fuck you you're out and you're on your own like yeah you don't really have much of a choice it's kind of like the vaccine right now it's like oh you don't have to get it to work here but you just won't work here yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah um yeah i i it's it's a weird thing because they just recently let all these guys out of indeterminate shoes uh, in california and uh which I was like, dude, that seems dangerous, you know, so doing it all at once like that instead of, and yeah, it is very dangerous, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to rip the bandit off, I guess. So you, yeah. you, you got this extra time. You, you, um, you were in this riot. Uh, you spent three months in shoe with the celly. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And now yeah. that this shoe was, it was it at, was it at Avenal? For those of you who don't know, when you hear the word Avenal, it's a name of a prison in Central California. Yeah. So the first one I was at was was at Avenal. So I started there and then they made room at Pleasant Valley. So I went back to Pleasant Valley. The one at Avenal is kind of cool, though, because it's the old style shoe where they still have a hard yard. So they would let all the whites out for yard at the same time. Oh, wow. In the shoe, which is cool. Uh, but we only did it like once and then went back to Pleasant Valley with the, with the dog runs. Right. But yeah, I, I did it like a week at Avenal and then, uh, back to, back to Pleasant Valley. And then that's where you gated out. How, how far away from your term and your, your, your date? What was this? A couple months. Oh, wow. Pretty, okay. Pretty, so this is a big risk quick. to your, like, if things had gone worse and you'd have done some real damage to somebody, you could have extended your term by a lot more. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to prove who did what in a riot, you know? Right. Um, cause like they didn't, I, I mean, people who stabbed people weren't even back there in the shoe with me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, like they, whatever, you know? Um, they just so randomly it, picked people and they're like, some of you have to go to the shoe to send a message. They, it's so like they, any, many, many, have, have like, they have to have reasonable cause to, to, right. to sentence you. For me, it was like, like you were obviously shot and then you were obviously injured fighting, you know? Um, uh, so they were basically saying you didn't stay out of the fight. Once we shot you, you got really injured fighting. You were obviously were willing and vigorous participant you're going to the shoe yeah or if the if the guards that were in the office i think there was a couple people that they they could say i like saw this person you know but Mm -hmm. yeah not everybody went back there and clearly if you got shot by a guard the guard watched you do what you were doing and that was probably in his report because he had to account for every round he fired and blah, blah 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 yeah but his report was like it was so uh you know, I imagine for him, it's probably 
he probably hadn't seen like a ton of these, you know, cause they're not that mm. common. Yeah. So, um, he was probably like, cause his, his report was just, I saw this, I fi-, cause he fired a lot, you know, he yeah. actually, it's pretty cool. He fired more, uh, non-lethal rounds than you're supposed to, you know? Um, cause they're supposed to do, I think there's a, they shoot a couple and then they go to live rounds, uh, which they didn't do here, which is good for me. Yeah. It is very good for you. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, See, you know, what's interesting is because Matt had said, and you know what, Chuck, next time, if if this happens again, we're going to have to have Mark on the locker room podcast because we should have had Matt on this episode. Matt could have communicated with him differently than, than you and I could. Um, Sorry, Mark, I'm talking about you like you're not here, but uh, (laughs) what Matt had said was um, he had said that when he started getting closer and this may be an Arizona thing, I don't know. When he started getting closer to his date, they started changing the jobs they were having him do so he wouldn't fuck up getting out. And then when they sat down with him and had the like, what's your what's your role in our prison gang? They asked him what he was in for and all this other stuff. They figured out how much time he had. You know, they figured out that basically he was a guy who had fucked up and he wasn't a lifer, but he, you know, they, he passed his heart check. And so they basically said, okay, you passed your heart check. We're going to protect you, but we're also going to limit the amount of shit that we ask you to do to stuff that really won't extend your term. And so it's just interesting to me that like, that's part of that, like, um, that's part of that politics you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it can cut both ways, right? Like uh, the, you know, like usually because they'll have this kind of thing. Everybody's just expected to go, to, you know, to to ride with, uh, right. you know, with the group. But there's right. other stuff where they send you on missions. They want somebody dead, you know, and so right. we're going to send... It, depending on the situation, one person, two person, three, three people, and we need volunteers. And if we can't get volunteers, then we'll send somebody, you know? Right. Right. So um, his, like, his, his was like you were saying, just, they said, we don't need, it's your, your for when we don't need somebody killed. It's when you, somebody in our own group is fucking up and we need to go get them up. in line. Yeah. Yeah. That was his job. It's called security. Yeah, there you go. Secure. Okay, so he was security. That's yeah. the California word for it. Yeah. Um, so when after all that happened and transpired, and you and, and you got out, what what happened and what was that like? Getting out. Yeah. Of the shoe or of prison? No, out of prison. No, so yeah, that's what yeah. I kind of wanted because the audience, I, I'm sure, is going to want to know, and I find it fascinating because you completely turned your life around, went to college. Um, and and you're a very successful man now. Uh, we won't talk about it because you know it's we just leave that part out. It doesn't matter. This is more about your time in prison and 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 how you turned your life around. Um, yeah. So you get so, out and you go to college. How soon? How soon after that? Uh, that took a while for me because like so when I got out, um, I I I had a really hard time finding uh finding like a job, you know? Um, and I'm like, I'm like covered in prison tattoo. You know what I mean? Like, and this was before being tattooed everywhere was just cool. You you know what I mean? Like now you see everywhere you go, the kids got tattoos all over their face. Yeah. Post Malone. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I had a hard time finding a job. And so I went to like a community college uh, and like, um, uh, you know, I was living in like a, a sober house. Um, so and, you got uh, sober right out of prison? Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, I, you were you were still using in prison. You said that. But did you get sober in prison or out? I, I got sober a little bit before I got out. I like count okay. my sobriety date from the day that I was released. But I really made that decision like in the in the shoe, you know, back there. Like this is like because okay. I mean, given like all that happened for me, I was just like, this is not um, for me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, like I don't, I, I don't have another one of these in me, right? You're like, how did I get here? Right. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I knew because I was like a fucking criminal, you know. Um, but like, but isn't yeah, that was, the moment of clarity that they talk about? Yes. And it's this thing of where you can't force the addict to get it. They they have to like want to do it. You know, right. and for me, like right. all that happened was like enough for me to decide to um, to change, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got out. I had trouble finding a job. I like I went to community college, which was tough because I didn't graduate high school. So I had to take like, you know, class, the like, GED class. or the proficiency and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm like take, I was taking algebra one as like a 27 <laughs> year old. And I, right. I remember there was a guy who his like 13 year old kid was uh, like, I was like, oh, I'm doing algebra one. This guy I was in the sober house with, and he was like, Oh yeah, my kid is in that. And he's like 13. I'm like, damn it. Um, Did so he I help you to, with I, your homework? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have done. Dude. I had, I, when I went to college, I had an airplane mechanic on speed dial that would help me with my math. Yeah. I, I have a math whiz buddy. So I was like, you know, you I, I regular, regularly used him you know yeah always have a cop um, i always have a friend who's a cop always have a friend who's good at math yeah 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 exactly um so yeah i, I went there for a, a kind of a long time and then i applied to a bunch of schools and got into berkeley and that you know it was one of these things like you can't get accepted to berkeley and not go you know well i mean i um, i could get like, accepted to berkeley and not go because i would never go to berkeley I'm a Southern California guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I would go to USC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, but you're right. Berkeley's a good school. You got accepted. It's also a school where, let's face it, they're not going to judge you for your background. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. They're and, more like interested. Uh, yeah. Know, they, they almost were like, cool. Like a 27-year-old former felon drug addict wants to come here and better his life. That just sounds interesting. And honestly, like I get why Berkeley would do that because it's the same thing that happened with me and Chuck. He's like, do you want to have this guy on? I'm like, fuck yeah. It sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember like one of my professors when I was there, she left to go uh, head up the prison university project and she wanted to like have a, she was like, can I, can we get coffee and like talk about this? And I, I remember thinking like her like sort of bleeding heart perspective on it. She wanted me to be like, oh, well, you know, they're just good people that, you know, <laughs> but it really, I was like, I was like, watch out at all times. They're going to mm-hmm. try to work you from every possible angle. And like, they're not your friends long game on you that can go on for years, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, Cause I've seen it. I've seen the long game worked on yeah. people where it's like, it's crazy, you know. 
And, and wow. I, I just, that's probably one of those things where when I meet bleeding hearts and fans of this podcast, fans of locker room know my philosophy, the world needs people that are going to hold the dog's hand while it dies, but the world also needs people that are going to put one in the back of the dog's head. Right. True. And you're, they're usually not the same person. No. Um, it's a yin and a yang. Yeah. It's almost like the world needs balance. balance. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. Anyway, Agreed. don't get me started. But um, when I meet people with bleeding hearts that they get this idea that if I just explain it to them enough, if they just understood how this hurts them, they'll stop. And they don't understand maybe because they've never met, maybe it's willful ignorance. They don't want to believe, but there are people, the jokers of this world are real. And the marks of this world are real. And unfortunately, when the marks fuck up, they go to the same prison as the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're if you're lucky, you you have that moment of clarity. You you turn your life around like Mark and like Matt and you come out and, you know, Matt, Matt posts a picture of his prison mugshot every year on the anniversary of his incarceration. Oh, nice. To remind everyone that it doesn't matter where you land you can pull yourself up and out of it. And you went to Berkeley. What'd you get your degree in? Rhetoric. Oh my God. That's amazing. That was such <laughs> a good degree. And it's pretty useless if I'm being honest. No, yeah. but I, you're talking to a guy who talks for a living. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like, I always tell, tell people, what do you do in a, what do you do when a philosophy major comes to your door? Nothing. You take, pay me, you take the pizza, right? I get that. It, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I, but rhetoric is such a cool subject and it's kind of like a communications degree. You can do anything with it. There's a lot of jobs. that just want to see that for your degree, but that's a cool one to have. And what, what made you pick that? What made you want to decide to go down that path and what have you done with it? Uh, well, I was like a communications major in like community college and so when I applied, uh, Berkeley didn't have a communications degree. So I just applied to the closest thing that I could find. And, uh, I mean, what I've done with it is pretty much nothing. Uh, like all it, like, I mean, it's, you know, all that really going to school for, uh, all that time did was set my actual career back. Um, yeah. but you yeah. know, my mom likes that I went to Berkeley, you know, <laughs> So, I mean, let's face it for somebody from your background, going to Berkeley and getting a degree is the fastest way to show people that you've changed. It's pretty uncommon, you know, right? Like, like of all the things that you can do post prison, getting an advanced degree and becoming, you know, a, a successful person in your field are two of the biggest signs that you were a fuck up and, and now you've straightened your shit out. Now, don't get me wrong. I know fuck ups that straighten their shit out on the outside and are still fuck ups in their heart. And those are the people that you got to watch. Those are the people that I will tell you straight up that we have a junkie on my wife's side of the family who yeah. has been a clean junkie for 20 years. And sure as shit, the one day she started slipping, she stole my mother-in-law's wedding ring. Stole yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Stole her fucking wedding ring. Live lived near this woman, related to this woman, like 
this this is her sister-in-law but addiction's a fucking hell of a thing and she was sober for you know damn near 15 years before she finally slipped again and stole a goddamn wedding ring to buy dope so don't think like I, i don't want the audience to think that this is something that is easy to do what mark has done is because mark obviously has 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 a strong will and a strong heart yeah i mean it's a thing that never goes away right uh like people want addiction to be cured but that's not the reality the reality is uh it's something that needs to be managed like diabetes you know right, um, right. and constantly it's a guarded disease again. at that point yeah I well, mean, unfortunately it's it's you yeah. debate do debate on what what addiction is but i think what mark's saying is is the debate on whether it's a disease or not a disease or a mental disorder or a, a choice or what i mean because let's face it right like yes the letter of the I, I guess the the nature of addiction is such that you can stop being addicted to cocaine by theoretically just not doing cocaine what people don't understand is is that the impulse that drives you to do cocaine is much greater than anything else that would get you to stop unless you find something greater than your addiction. Yeah. You have to, that's, that's why AA always tells you to go to a higher power. You have to find something outside of yourself. You have to find something better than yourself. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are. And it's the, man, like working in this space of dealing with, uh, with substance abuse too, is like, it's so wild because the mental gymnastics that people will like go through, you know, to like not get sober is so justifications and the lying to themselves. Yeah. Like they're like, well, I I don't want to go into, um, I don't want to go into treatment because of COVID and you're like, you're 20 years old. Okay. Uh, and totally healthy. You're like, like odds of dying from COVID are astronomically low. Right. Slim and none and slim just left fucking town. Yeah. Simultaneously <laughs> you are using fentanyl. If you don't oh. go into treatment, like you will be dead in yes, the next right. two years. Like, you can go to treatment and maybe get COVID and maybe 99.6% chance you won't die. Or you can yeah. continue doing fentanyl and there's a 99.6% chance you will be dead in two years. We'll die. I, I know. Yeah. It's it's crazy, but it's, you know, substance abuse. You know? So, so you yeah. are successful in, in the substance abuse field now. You obviously have taken... Uh, what are your your what were your natural talents growing up <laughs> and uh, flip them around 180 degrees? Why? I, I have to ask why. I mean, you could have gone into Internet installation or auto mechanics or you could have gone into so many things that would be rewarding and pay you decently yeah. well. And you wouldn't have to deal with your own past and your own crap and constant you wouldn't have to come on podcast and talk about the shit you've seen so why what, why addiction yeah like what made you want to give back and is it cathartic for you or and i i, yeah. I don't get me wrong i love it i i think it's great i think more people that have been down that road it's why this podcast exists the only people that understand veterans cops and firefighters are veteran cops and firefighters you know it, yeah. you shouldn't you know if you've never smoked a joint maybe maybe working at an addiction place isn't for you um 
Maybe, yeah. hey, I would argue if you haven't smoked a joint, maybe working the street as a cop isn't for you because if you if you don't understand the people that you're trying really? to arrest. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, anyway. So yeah, you I mean, um for why, me it's why that? natural it's just a natural kind of thing, you know. Um I'm good at it. Uh and I'm I'm employable in the space and uh I like it, you know. I, I like to see like it's an interesting thing because it's like, you can see something sort of that you, you know, everybody does it for themselves, but if you're there to help like nourish and grow this plant and then you see it three years later grown into like this beautiful, you know, thing, you're like, um, it's rewarding. Um, it's also devastating because for every, you know, one that like works out, there's like eight or nine that don't, um, but it's, uh, it's like, plus, you know, I saw what it did for me and, uh, uh, there's opportunity to give it away to the next person. And hopefully they give it away to the person after that. And the world's a little bit better that way, you know? Yeah. I'm, I, I completely agree. That's, and that's, I think kind of why I thought you would be a good fit is because the story of what you went through is cool and awesome and fun and interesting to hear from the opposite side as a cop, like to hear that kind of stuff. I, I, I find it fascinating. I could sit here with you for another couple hours and talk about all the shit that happens in prison. I really would invite you to come on the locker room because I would, th- I think our audience right. would love to have hear you and yeah. Matt sit down and talk about that stuff, especially because he's been through a lot of similar things. However, um, I, I, I just want people to understand that the reason I thought it was so fascinating and so awesome is because what you've turned into and what you've started doing on the flip side of everything is very similar. And I, I I would assume, and now you've confirmed it for the same reasons why people get into public safety in the first place is because you can, you, you know, there's a problem. You see, there's a problem. You've experienced it somehow firsthand and you get a reward from being part of the solution yeah so yeah and just like well, you with us for every one person we help we have about eight or nine others that that we can't you know and yeah. it's 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 um you know especially victims of sexual crimes and stuff like that yeah. and or you know um, domestic violence or things like that and you know it, it's rewarding to see them you know turn into something more and and completely change their their life and move past it but then there's other ones that fall back into like a circle of violence, especially in domestic violence. And they yeah. continue down the same path. And, you know, then you see them later and they're completely fucked up and you're like, God damn it. I just got to get you help. And then they get help and they come right back into it. You're like, fuck. So yeah. it's, it's rewarding when you see it happen. And then it's devastating when you see it not work out. So it's, it's, it's similar to a uh, total opposite ends of the spectrum. And I give you props for it because I have family that, uh, you know, substance abuse and things like that. And like we were speaking earlier over the phone, I've seen substance abuse affect first responders and ultimately in their lives. And it it is difficult when those people that are close to you, especially military and, and, you know, police and stuff like that, and they go down that road and they don't make it out and they can't dig themselves out. So I think it's very important what you're doing. I think it's, it's amazing. And I think the way that you turn your life around and me, when I heard your background you went to Berkeley. I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. And I heard everything else. I was like, that's fucking impressive. I was like, there is no way in hell. I would not want to 
have, or we would not want to have you on the show. Cause at first I was like a little, Oh shit. <laughs> cause I, cause I, <laughs> I misread the email, but I am so glad that we yeah. continue to talk and, and went down it because what you have done is fucking amazing. And yeah. the way that you are helping other people, fuck dude. And I'm sure the cop that arrested you, the cop that the SWAT guy on the microphone, come out with your hands up. (laughs) If he could see you now, maybe he does. I don't know. I I haven't asked, but if he could see you now, I think all the cops that were probably there when you were arrested would consider you a success story and they would notch you under the column of their career as I helped that guy. Yeah. And they'd probably be confused by it more than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But you know what? A little bit of confusion in in that's a good way, I guess. Um, So we dedicate an episode, uh, every episode to a police officer, firefighter, veteran who was killed in the line of duty. Um, And uh, Mark uh, obviously uh, didn't necessarily have any uh, drug related deaths uh, for any of the (laughs) police officers or anything like that because he wasn't friends with them. However, uh, I thought I have a good one that is personal to me. And I thought I would share Chuck, if you're okay with it. Yeah. Um, for this episode. Uh, so I went to lots of police funerals, unfortunately. Um, as a, if, once you get into the profession, you just know you're going to go, you're, you're going to go to funerals. Right. Um, I know cops that would refuse to go to them, but I will never forget. I went to a funeral in 2007 for uh, Chris keys. And Chris Keyes worked for the Lompoc Police Department, which um, if you're familiar with the first Fast and the Furious movie, you know there's a prison there, federal prison. Uh, He worked for the Lompoc Police Department, and uh, he died of a drug overdose. So the reason I bring this up is because it ties into our conversation with Mark. Unfortunately, Chris Keyes was involved in an on-duty motorcycle accident and um, for years – had been taking prescription medication to relieve pain. He had chronic pain from the injuries. And unfortunately, um, those medications combined, um, and nobody's sure quite how it happened, but unfortunately, a combination of a fentanyl patch and uh, some other painkillers, he didn't realize he had a brand new patch on, and he died of an overdose. So um, he got a, he was a Marine Corps veteran and he was a Lompoc police officer and he was a good dude. And unfortunately the motorcycle accident get, didn't kill him, but the painkillers that he had to take as a result did. And so he, they, they statted his death as an on-duty death, even though it was an accidental drug overdose. And uh, I just wanted to remember uh, officer Chris keys, agent Chris keys of the Lompoc, Lompoc police department, Rest easy, brother. We've got it from here. I was at Chris's funeral and uh, he was a good dude. So we dedicate our episode to him. Mark, thank you for coming on. We oh, really appreciate it. You know what? I, I was I just going to say, say do you have anything you want to? Yeah, absolutely. If you are, you know, if you do work in law enforcement and you are, you like have issues with substance abuse, like I hear a lot from the community, like I can't go to treatment and be with the people that I arrest uh, regularly. Yeah. There are mm-hmm. special tracks. There are special tracks in treatment centers all over the country, specifically for first responders, where it's just police and firefighters. And, and I'm going to say no this right now. If you are struggling, if you're a police officer or firefighter, 
uh, or even a veteran and you're struggling with addiction and anything about this resonates with you, reach out to us and we can put you in touch with Mark and Mark can probably set you on the path. We're not going to tell your department. We don't, you don't even have to tell us your department. I mean, I know that's a big thing of like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job, but I got to get clean. But if I try to get clean, they're going to find out. And if I get found out, I'm going to get fired. So I, I, I got to just stay dirty and hope I don't get caught. There's so many different things. I, I you know, I'm one of my closest friends got addicted to painkillers because he got shot in the line of duty. If you're struggling, reach out to someone. If you're afraid to reach out to somebody, reach out to us and we'll get you we'll get you squared away. Hey, real quick, Mark. Yeah. What is where what are just like two of the main ones that that you know of for first responders that you can just pop off or if you know any off the top of your head. Yeah, there's one called Akua in Sacramento that has a first responders track and there's one called First Steps in Fresno that has a first responders track. So they they have a it's separate. There's they specialize in issues around um working in uh, in law enforcement or as a first responder or ptsd around um trauma from battle um and you're you know you're doing the the program with um with other uh first responders you know will so you say again that first one akua a-k-u-a okay akua and the those are two but there's there's First steps, which is appropriately named. <laughs> there's there's way more. Those are just off the top of my head. There's they're all over the country, you know. Um, okay. Well, I appreciate coming on. Chuck, do you have I do. I have a big announcement. Big. Big. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So like I said, if, uh, we had gotten those, uh, secret things that were in the mail coming from, um, overseas, I would let you guys know in the next podcast, if we did receive it. And a couple of days ago, I received it instead of releasing it right away. I decided we will be releasing, um, when this drops that way, everybody who's listening to this podcast can go out and get that. Because I know there are some of you that are on, they don't have Instagram, they don't have Facebook, and this is the only source that you yep. get your information from for us. So to be fair, instead of releasing it and then maybe it being gone or whatever, I'm going to be releasing or we are, we're going to be releasing on um, Monday when this drops. Yep. So, so as, as, of li- as of listening to this, go on our website. Yes. And uh, it'll, it'll all be up there and you'll see, and to give it a, um, a formal announcement, we know we, we joked about it and we, 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 uh, we hinted towards it. It is a whoopee hoodie it's a yep. zipper uh zip up in the front it's got a leather patch over the left breast pocket um with our logo and if you don't it, know what a wooby awesome. hoodie is uh there's, in, in the military for those of you who weren't veterans there's a poncho liner and it's a quilted insulated liner but it is the softest <laughs> it, it gets your best for, it becomes your blankie and so after after a character in an 80s movie called mr mom i believe it became known as a whoopee or your security blanket. And then people started yeah. taking them and actually having them stitched into clothing. Yeah. And our uh, FAFO patches, 40 millimeter um, patch is going to be released the same day. So check out for that. And you can fucking crumple this jacket up, throw it in the bottom of a bag, pull it out. It looks just fresh. Yep. It looks just the same. So it's awesome. It's awesome. I can't wait. Chuck, did you already send mine? No, I haven't. I, I haven't. 
Uh, I haven't done it yet. Okay. I'll transfer you the money. <laughs> All right. Mark, thank you. We appreciate it. Everybody go to the website, check out our Wooby hoodie. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can follow us um, on pretty much. Your TikTok. Yeah. On our TikTok. Um, I'm, we're learning how to do that. That's kind of, I mean, it's a necessary evil. The Chinese get somebody. The reason I, I agreed to do it was somebody said we should do it. And I said, yeah, if you want to do it, I don't care. So we had one for like two years or a year and a half and we didn't use it because I didn't care. I didn't want it on my phone. And then somebody's like, Hey, you realize that like Facebook and Instagram do just as much data mining as fucking the Chinese government does on TikTok, right? That, that shit's, and I'm like, uh, you're probably right. Fuck it. So, you know, <laughs> we're on there. Uh, well, I, I think Mark again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having you me. guys enjoyed listening to Mark. I think, uh, locker room's a good place to, to bring him back. I would love to hear him and Matt go around and around. Marco and I, Marco Chuck and I could just ask them questions after questions after questions. So, Absolutely. Um, and if you guys want to come on the show, booking.warstories at gmail.com. That again is yep. booking.warstories at gmail.com to be booked onto the show. Send in stories, whatever the fuck you want to do. I will read them. Tom will read them. Um, send them in there. Uh, you can also send them to the, uh, mailbag, uh, warstories mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, you can go there. And if you forget and you have Instagram and Facebook, link in the bio, click it and you have all the access to YouTube, everything there. Right. So until our next episode. Come home with your shield or on it. <laughs>